You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact handy carrying case and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade the other handle has the saw that comes with it so i use the saw to split the pelvis and i use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out right so uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple very easy and the the knife is sharp and uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a huge announcement to make. I am sick of snow and cold weather. Man, I feel like it's so cold. I feel like I have undescended testicles, man. Um, I'm sick of this. I have cabin fever. My kids are going crazy. Um, I can I can bundle them up. I can throw them outside for maybe 15 minutes at a time, and then they say they're cold. And they want to come inside. Um, I'm <laughs> my. Here, this is basically just me bitching at this point. But I have this little space heater in my. Uh, in my little office here and it's working ot man it's it's hard keeping up with the this cold temps and i see 30s in the forecast for next week and that put a little smile on my face hopefully some of the snow gets knocked down i know it's not going to just all of a sudden up and melt we'd have huge problems at that point but i will say this i'm ready for shed hunting and i honestly don't know when shed hunting is going to be possible with all this snow on the ground i know that uh on the farm that i hunt close to my house it's you know 18 inches of of snow on the ground even down home we're dealing with a lot of ice and a lot of snow uh so i might not be putting on the miles like i usually do a lot of that's just going to depend on on when the snow melts and i hope it, it melts before shed rally i mean that's only that's really only three weeks away four weeks away but uh i have a feeling it's not going to happen so i'll be doing a little shed hunting in the snow i what i don't want is 
to make plans for a shed hunt. And then like two days, three days before we get another like three or four inches of snow. And then, and then I don't get to do any shed hunting at all. And, and then all the sheds just get chewed up. Right. And if I do find them, it'll be, there'll be old sheds from the previous year or whatever. Anyway, I'm just complaining. I'm just complaining at this point, but we do have a really good episode today. Despite all my bitching, we have a really good episode today. Today, we're going to be talking with active duty army. Uh, I think it is artillery soldier. I don't even know. He, he says what he is in, in the podcast, but active duty army, uh, Frank Warsham. And, uh, he's going to talk a little bit about where he's hunted kind of all over the United States based off of where he's been, uh, stationed, right? He, we talk about things like hunting on military bases, uh, different opportunities that the military, you know, we've talked about this before on other podcasts, but different opportunities that, uh, active and vets get, uh, you know, throughout the United States for tags and licenses. We talk about what it's like to not being able to hunt while he was stationed in Afghanistan. We talk about some of his favorite states to hunt. We talk about Alaska, Oklahoma, Texas, Ohio, uh, Hawaii of all places, and uh, North Carolina where he's currently stationed. So it's another really interesting podcast uh, from a member of our hunting community in this uh this member of our hunting community just happens to be active duty military. So huge shout out to Frank for uh, serving this country as well. So before we get into today's podcast, though, we're going to do it's commercial time, right? It's uh, this time that I, I dedicate to the people who pay me, pay me money to advertise their products. Um, But it's, it's a little bit more than that, right? Just like our, our title sponsor, Vortex Optics, man, I've come to know some of these people and they've become friends of mine, uh, really great people and people, you know, products, you have to have a product to stand behind, but the people that work for a company have to be intelligent. They have to be knowledgeable. They have to be friendly. They have to understand the customer, not only their wants and their needs, but their problems as well. So, uh, I just love working with the guys from Vortex Optics and they back it up with a VIP warranty that is, is, I feel like starting to become a little bit more common, but these guys were doing it. These guys are the OGs of, of this, uh, VIP warranty. And that is, I don't know about you, but I beat the shit out of my equipment when I hunt, right? I'm pretty hard on it. Uh, whether I'm climbing up a mountain or, you know, crawling through some grass spotting and stalking or, you know, like throwing, throwing it in my bag and then throwing my gear in my truck and then le- letting it set there and then pulling it back out. And every, I, I hope everything works okay. And I've had my binoculars for several years from Vortex and um, they've been broken on two separate occasions because I'm hard on my equipment. And the VIP warranty is you, you send it into them, they fix it, and then they send it back to you. No charge to you. So that's, uh, again, just another checkbox that's filled in when uh, when uh, just buying products from Vortex Optics. So go check out vortexoptics.com, spotting scopes, range finders, binoculars, rifle scopes, all the good stuff. Second company we're talking about today, Wasp Archery. And honestly, uh, another American company that produces some badass products, 
broadheads that at this point in time, I've been using them for a very long time, well before the podcast even started. So it's awesome working with a brand that I'm very comfortable and confident with. And I get that with, I've, I've gotten that over the years with Wasp. And it's, what's awesome now is now knowing, again, the people within the, uh, the company and uh, getting to know about how their products are built, the material that they use. It just even makes me more confident in their products. And I don't, it sucks to say, but I don't really see myself wanting to shoot another broadhead. Now I know that's uh, relative because uh, there's all broadheads. If you put it through the lungs and the heart, they're going to kill uh, a, an animal. But I don't know. Something about wasp, man. It's it's almost nostalgic uh, with all the deer that I've killed using their heads over the years. So uh, wasp has fixed blades. They have mechanicals. And uh, my favorite is the boss four blade for a fixed blade and the jackhammer for an expandable. Uh, go check it out, wasparchery.com. And that's the commercials, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get into today's episode. It's like a BS session, but uh, um, so much more than that. Frank Warsham, here we go. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Frank Warsham. Frank, how we doing, man? Doing great, brother. Doing great. Yeah. Are you really doing great though? Because uh I'm I got cabin fever straight up right now. I, I need <laughs> for this freaking snow to melt so I can just like go outside. Well, I mean, to tell you the truth, though, I'm in North Carolina, so I ain't got to worry about the snow uh, where I'm at. I'm out by Fayetteville, Fort Bragg, so uh, the weather's not too shabby for me. I've been able to get out and do a little bit of shed hunting and uh, do some hiking, really, for uh, upcoming elk hunt this summer or yeah. this uh, fall. Gotcha, gotcha. So you uh, you don't have any snow restrictions right now, right? Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, that, that's a good. That's a good thing. Uh, what's the temperature out there today? Uh, right now, I think it's 56 outside right now. I mean, I don't even, I don't even know what that's like. Today's like the first, <laughs> today's the first day of sunshine in like 15 days. It's been those, it's just like that overcast. We have about 18, maybe two feet worth of snow on the ground. And, and if not more, it's, I think right now in Iowa, it is four out, four degrees out right now. So like, I wish you could see me right now because I'm in my little office that I've, that I made in my uh, loft above my garage. And I typically at about 25 degrees, 30 degrees, the space heater keeps up great. It's not running the whole time, but with these temps outside, um, and my, I would have to mark it up to some of my shoddy construction <laughs> uh, that when I built this office, that, uh, that suck, that sucker is running all day long just to try to keep up um with it and if i if i shut it off even for a night it takes almost a whole day to warm the whole office back up again so uh it's wow. this whole honeywell is getting uh getting a workout <laughs> you getting your money's worth out of that one man. that's right that's right well you reached out to me uh, a while ago yep. and you were like hey man uh i'm active duty military and you're currently active duty right I am, yes. Yep, currently active duty. And uh, here's a list of states that I've hunted. And I, th I found that pretty interesting because it's a really, it really is a wide variety of states, you know, from Alaska to Texas to Ohio, North Carolina, wh where else? Oklahoma. Where else am I missing? Oklahoma. 
Yep, Oklahoma, uh, Hawaii. Hawaii. Um, I've done some New Mexico. Yeah, I mean, all you got in Hawaii is some, some goats, some sheep, and uh, hogs. But, you know, got to keep on the up and up with the bow. So yeah, uh, do what you can. Yeah. Um, I've done New Mexico, Colorado, and I've got an upcoming uh, Utah hunt. Oh, nice. Uh, for elk this year. So Nice, cool. All right, so... Man, I don't even know where to start. Really, let's let's start here. Um, when did you join the military? Uh, so I joined the military right after college. Um, I've been in for uh, twelve years now. Okay. And how old are you? I am thirty-five, thirty-six, somewhere in that range. <laughs> I always forget my age, man. <laughs> That's all good. Yeah, I'm, I think I just I just turned thirty-six. Okay. Uh, last month. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Why, why did you go to the military after college, not before college? So my plan was to actually go before college. Um, and I had a, a friend of mine that was in the military. Uh, he told me about uh, some scholarship opportunities. Um, and so that's what I ended up doing. I pursued those and I got offered a four year scholarship Um for the army, you know, so I, I went to school, completed my school. I owed them seven years whenever I got done with that, um, you know, for some other stuff as well. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I really enjoyed the army and I don't see myself getting out anytime soon. So, okay, cool. So you think you're going to do this, uh, life or deal? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the plan right now, man. Take it one day at a time, you know, right. plans change. Um, you know, God has a plan for everybody, but, Right now, you know, it, it looks like at least 20 years. So. Gotcha. So the contract was we'll pay for your school, but you owe us you owe us some time. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right, cool. Well, that's one way to get college paid for all the way. Yeah. Uh, so yep. once you got out of college, now you go to, um, you, you start, you know, I don't know, your contract at the time that, uh, you know, you promised the government. Um, what, uh, where did you go for basic? Uh, what did they have you doing? Where did you travel to? Yep. So I'm field artillery. Uh, I went to Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Um, unfortunately, I was there uh, and left prior to deer season. Uh, just because Fort Sill, Oklahoma, you know, if you ever get the chance to go out with a military guy to go hunt that, by all means, definitely do it. That's an amazing, amazing spot. Some of my buddies will get mad at me for saying that. <laughs> Tell them the, the world our secret. But um, from there, I went up to Alaska. I mean, every hunter's dream, right? Right. So I got to spend uh, two out of three years in Alaska. Uh, the other year I was deployed there. Um, but Alaska was phenomenal. I took my bow. I, I think I just kept it in my truck all the time. Um, you know, I, I got to kill a, a black bear up there, a moose, a caribou. I went grizzly bear hunting with my bow, um, or brown bear cause it was by the coast, but, uh, no luck on that one. But, uh, I left from Alaska, went back to Oklahoma. Uh, I got to deer hunt there a little bit and then went to Hawaii. Um, I did the pig and the sheep hunting there. Uh, went back to Oklahoma again. I uh, got to do some deer hunting there for a few seasons uh, and then made it out to North Carolina. And that's where I am now. Um, the other hunts I've done, you know, I've just kind of sprinkled in as, as I've been going around. So, Gotcha. So uh, where are you from originally then? Originally from West Texas. 
West Texas. Okay. All right. Yep. So, um, was just based off where you're from, then that's why you kept coming back to Oklahoma. Is that because based off of where you're living is Oklahoma, the base where, where like you did your basic and everything? Well, um, I, you know, you, you just kind of go wherever the army tells you. Yeah. Um, and because I'm field artillery, that's the home of the artillery is at Fort Sill, Oklahoma there. Gotcha. Um, so I've had more opportunity to go there, uh, than just about anywhere else. And, uh, you know, it, it's worked out for me because I really enjoy hunting on, on that post. So. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, let me ask you this, uh, you know, you, you just said it right there. The military tells me what to do and I go do it type of deal. Um, yep. while you're stationed, you know, at these places like Hawaii and, and Alaska and Oklahoma and whatnot, um, you know, obviously your responsibility to the military comes first, but how much time throughout the year or the hunting season do you actually get to get out and sit in a tree stand or a ground blind and, and chase game? Uh, man, so it varies dramatically uh, depending on what unit you're with and uh, where they're at in the process of getting ready to deploy, um, you know, coming back from deployment. Uh, it, it just kind of depends on, we call it op tempo, but operational uh, tempo of the unit. Um, so if we're getting ready to deploy, you know, you can imagine that's a whole lot of training and, and not a whole lot of hunting time. Yeah. Um, so we're spending most of the weekends, most of the nights out in the field. Uh, you know, if we're coming back from deployment, it's, it's kind of a reset, relax time. You get a lot more family time. You know, I have the ability to go hunt during those times as well. Um, it's, it's hard, honestly, it's hard to hunt in the military. Um, you know, just because of a lot of the, a lot of our free time is, is eaten up with certain things and it's hard to take leave during certain points. Um, and sometimes, sometimes though, you can, you can line those things up and just, you know, get your magic window. And, uh, some years I'm fortunate enough to be able to hunt, uh, you know, probably 50 to 60 days a year and other years I I'm down into the 10 to 15 day range. You know, it, it really just depends. Gotcha. So I asked this question to, I don't know, I've, I've had a conversation with a pro athlete before or even college athletes or, um, some people who, uh, maybe have an injury and it kept them from hunting for a season or two or, you know, uh, active duty military that get deployed. Um, you know, when, when you were deployed and, you know, maybe when, when I, when I say deployed, were you deployed overseas at all? Yes. Yes. Okay. So when you were overseas, um, in different countries and maybe didn't have, didn't make hunting season for a year, what was that like? Um, so honestly, you you know, time goes by a little differently over there. Um, so there was so much stuff to focus on there. Uh, I didn't get a whole lot of time to focus on, uh, hunting season and things like that back home. Um, the time that I did have away from that mindset, you know, I needed to focus on family and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, there was obviously a lot of, a lot of things that I missed about hunting and I would make it a point to, you know, ensure I'm still putting in for draws just so I can get, um, you know, preference points and things of that nature. Um, but 
other than that, you know, if I if I had a little bit of downtime, I was doing some e-scouting for, for future hunts. Um, but outside of that, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, in, in a combat zone at least, there's not a whole lot of time to, um, you know, devote to external things. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, now, I, I have been sent to countries where I haven't been in a combat zone. And during those times, I focus a lot more on e-scouting. And it, it actually is kind of beneficial because I'm away from the house, away from some of the duties that I have to do as a father and a husband. And I can devote some of that extra free time to, you know, planning an upcoming hunt or thinking about, hey, you know, should I put in for this draw, this draw, you know, or things of that nature. Yeah. Okay. So where were you deployed? Uh, Afghanistan, Afghanistan. Okay. So when you were, uh, when you were in Afghanistan, I mean, you were in the thick of it, right? I mean, you were in like, when you say active war zone type scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I was, I was out living on a cop and, uh, you know, we had less than a hundred people there with us. I mean, it it was, we erupted, we erupted a couple of times. Yeah. Okay. So let me, uh, let me ask you this. Um, do you have any, and I know this is just cause I'm curious, but did you have any like close calls or any scary moments that you'd like to share with us while you were deployed? Um, I, I mean, honestly, I, I had a, a few of them, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't anything like some of my brothers have, uh, have had to go through. So, um, I, I don't really have any, any major stories to, you know, yeah. toot my own horn. I, there's a lot of guys that, that have had, uh, had to go through far worse than I did. So. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this because there's a lot of organizations, uh, out there that help, uh, you know, military, um, guys find hunting, you know, opportunities throughout, you know, or, or introduce, uh, vets or active duty people, um, to the, I guess, uh, the, the world of hunting, you know, to help, co- you know, mm-hmm. combat, um, some kind of PTSD or anything like that. Did you ever find that when, you know, when you got back from deployment that, um, hunting was almost like a therapy for you to like decompress from active duty? Without a doubt, uh, 150%. So I, I actually, you know, so before I joined the army and before I started to, um, you know, deploy and, and see that side of, of the military, um, I, I've always hunted for fun. I've hunted ever since I was probably five years old. I've, I've deer hunted or, you know, some sort of hunting every year. Um, whenever I came back from my deployment, like you can ask my wife, I, I was just a changed man. I was, I acted differently. And now I view my time in the woods, you know, whether I'm alone or with my kids or with my wife, like that is 100% therapeutic for me. Uh, there's nothing that can quite reset me, like getting out in the woods, you know, sitting still in a stand or hiking up a mountain, whatever it may be. Um, but just getting out there, getting out in nature. Yeah. So, I mean, I take it that if this is something that, that if there's any, you know, guys who may be struggling getting back to normal or just looking for something because I've also heard, and maybe you can fill me in on this, that, you know, once somebody has been in the military for a long time, 
right? And they try to get back to the civilian lifestyle um, without the the structure, let's say, of the military. It can be difficult for people to find balance in in the world. Um, would you recommend that hunting, fishing, the outdoors would be uh, something to help them kind of find structure to balance their life out? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, you know, it, it, we in the military it's it's just like you know being institutionalized basically it's a whole different lifestyle and if you spend long enough in that lifestyle and you come out you have to readjust your entire life to match what you know is going on in the civilian populace at the time um there's just there's a lot of that stuff that we don't see just because we're gone so much uh you know and and there can be a lot of good things to come out of finding something to focus on to, to have that therapeutic uh, reset, you know, so that guys don't um, get so tensed up all the time because it's kind of what happens to, um, you know, a lot of people that come out of the military, some things just set them off a little bit more. So they have to, you know, find that little bit of Zen and hold on to it. Um, And for me, and I think for most of, you know, most active duty people or, or outdoor oriented type of guys, and, you know, just getting out hunting, fishing, um, you know, for, for me personally, it, it's all around hunting. Everything evolves around hunting for, for my therapy. So yeah. uh, I, I would highly recommend it. And I've taken a few, you know, taken a few other active duty military guys out that have never hunted before and, um, you know, introduced them to a, a new sport that they turned out loving, you know? Yeah. Um, it's very therapeutic. So, yeah, absolutely. So, You've, you've kind of been all over the place um, in regards to, you know, hunting. You know, you've hunted in kind of the, the southeast. You've hunted in, in the west. You've hunted in the Midwest, uh, you know, extreme places like Alaska and Hawaii. Do you have one that is heads and toes above the rest when it comes to your favorite places to hunt? Well, I mean, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out the obvious here, and that's Alaska. Yeah. You know, I there is there is nothing like Alaska. It's the most it's the wildest, like most dangerous place I've ever been. You know, you can step out um, half a mile behind your house, and you can be in the most wilderness place that um, is hard to come by in the lower forty-eight. You know, the contiguous forty-eight. Um, so I, Alaska definitely takes the cake on that. Uh, Why is I'll, that? I'll be honest. Well, so. It, it's hard to describe the beauty of Alaska. Yeah. So you can just be sitting up on a mountaintop, see a moose, you know, a mile and a half down the valley to, to your left-hand side, and you look over to the right, and then, you know, here's a wolf or something else that's coming over the saddle, coming over the ridge, you know. Um, it, there's just there's nothing quite like that the peace and serenity that's there in Alaska and just the landscape itself is so gorgeous. Um, to me, that was by far my favorite. If I had to, if I had to pick a second, um, it would be Oklahoma. And it pains me to say Oklahoma being from Texas. I'm a <laughs> long guy. Um, but without a doubt, it would be uh, Oklahoma. It's just, it's a, it's a hidden gem. It's a secret that, uh, you know, most of your white tail hunters are going to go to Iowa and uh, Kansas or, 
you know, even Ohio or Indiana, things like that. Um, Missouri now is a big one, but Oklahoma has got some great deer hunting there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, when it comes to Oklahoma, the cat's already out of the bag based off of some of the deer that are coming out of that state in the past, you know, four years. So I think, uh, what was it? Like 2018 or 19, they had the most 200 inch deer shot out of any state in the lower 48. So, um, yeah, the cat's out of the bag about Oklahoma, man. Um, <laughs> so, um, being from, you know, being from, you said East Texas or West Texas or where you're from? West Texas. West Texas. Okay. West Texas. So, um, you're from Texas and, and that kind of hunting style you know, based off what I've heard and based off my experiences are, is just completely different to the way the rest of the, uh, um, country hunts. Is that, I mean, is that accurate to say, or did you have a different view? No, I, I would 100% agree with that statement. Um, you know, and it has a lot to do with too, whenever I was, I was younger growing up, um, my dad is, a, a you know, obviously I follow in his footsteps and he's the one that taught me to hunt. And, um, he was very much like, a, you know, you're going to go to this tree and you're going to sit here, you know, and this is the tree that you're going to pick before before the day starts. Um, and there's a corn pile that's 100 yards away. And we're just going to sit and watch over the top of this corn pile. Um, so whenever I started going other places that you couldn't bait to hunt, I was like, how am I supposed to hunt this? <laughs> and then I, I, you know, like, I can't put corn out here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Right. Um but I, I really started, you know, diving into a lot more of the tactics of hunting. And, uh, really, it, it grew my love for the sport, to be honest. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, when you, was it after college, before you hunted any other states? Or, I mean, uh, I mean, when did, when was the first time you hunted outside of the state of Texas? Uh, so that would have been during college. Um I went on and it was strictly elk was the only other thing I had hunted um, outside of the state of Texas. I never went whitetail hunting outside of the state of Texas um, or any, any other kind of hunting other than just elk. Uh, And I guess pheasant, I went pheasant hunting one time outside of the state of Texas. Otherwise everything was done in Texas until after I left uh, for college or until after I left college. Got you. And what was that first whitetail hunt outside of Texas? Uh, so that would have been in Oklahoma. Okay. Um, the, the terrain was fairly similar in Oklahoma as to where I grew up, at least where I was hunting in Oklahoma as to where I grew up in, in West Texas, the terrain was fairly similar. Um, but because I was also hunting on a military post there, so there was a lot of added rules and regulations I had to abide by. Um, but of course, one of them was no baiting. Yeah. Um, so I think I spent probably the first half of the season trying, just trying to figure out, um, you know, the lay of the land, how the deer were using it uh, to move around. And, and so I spent a lot of time on top of little hilltops and little mountainsides and just watching deer there. Yeah. I learned a lot from that, from doing that. So. Okay. How is hunting a, a military base different from, let's just say what I'm doing where I may have like a private farm, or a, a lease or a, you know, a chunk of public? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the biggest thing is that it is first and foremost military land. So if there's a unit that wants to use that land to train on it, you know, they have full access to it. Um, other than that, 
it's fairly similar to uh, public land. Um, you know, you, you're not allowed to, with the exception of you're not allowed to set up cell cameras or any kind of trail cameras or anything like that on uh, military land. They just don't want, you know, pictures of things going on. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it, most military bases are subdivided into smaller units. And so, you you know, you check out a single unit and sometimes you have to check them out, you know, days in advance. Sometimes you can check them out that day. Um, but typically if you're bow hunting, you'll have a lot more access to different areas across the post than you will if you're rifle hunting. Okay. So you have a little bit more access, uh, with the bow. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yep. All right. So uh, earlier you were saying that uh, your your buddies might get mad at you for uh, talking about this, but um, at this Oklahoma military base that you were hunting in, uh, they got some good quality deer there. They have some phenomenal deer there. So you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, 2018 or, or 19, whatever the year was, that there was a bunch of 200 inch class deer that came out of Oklahoma. Um, I, I believe it was 2018. There was a, I think I want to say it was 236 inch deer that came off of Fort Sill. Uh, you know, just a monster. And I've been there and witnessed probably four to five deer seasons. And I've seen a handful of 180, 190 inch plus deer every year get taken out of there. Dang. How many acres is that? Uh, I believe it's close to 500,000. Oh, geez. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not right. That's a different place. It's 100,000 for Fort Sill. Okay, still 100,000 acres. Now, just out of curiosity, do deer that are taken out of uh, that facility, can they be entered into a record book, or is that considered kind of like a high fence area? I'd be a hundred percent honest with you. I don't really know. Okay. Um, I would imagine it's probably considered a high fence area just because there is a high fence that goes around it. Yeah. Um, but they do have their own wildlife biologist there and they've run kind of their own show. Gotcha. Um, I really don't know for sure. Yeah. There's a, I don't know how well it's managed, um, now, but there was an ammunitions plant base, you know, that I don't think they make ammunition there anymore, but they did back for like uh, World War II and Vietnam and stuff, you know, times like that, big, you know, big conflicts. Um, and it had a high fence around it. And I don't, I'm not sure how many acres it was, but they had, uh, you know, crops in it and deer in it uh, and all, you know, it was a enclosed. And I'm pretty sure that if you shoot a deer within that facility or the, you know, that area it doesn't it does not count for any type of record books or anything like that but it's not like it was there's no feeders there was no bait piles i mean there was no wildlife biologist as far as i know uh that was really managing the farm it was just like when they put the deer when they put the fences up around it there were deer already in it you know what i mean and it's not like they let deer in, in and let deer go you know some of the cricks have under crossings and deer can kind of come in and out of it. It's, it's not like really secure, you know what I mean? So, um, yep. that's just what I've heard, but anyway, um, so, so you got some really good hunting opportunities there. Um, is there, have you ever had encounters with like on some of these military bases, just some, some mammoth deer? Oh yeah. Um, 
So you know, we have these every military base. Well, ninety percent of them, anyways, will have some sort of an impact area where they can shoot artillery into, which is you know obviously there's. Uh, some dud munitions out there, so you're not allowed to walk into this area, nor would you really want to, even if you could. Um, but the deer know exactly where that line is, you know, uh, and there'll be some monsters sitting right on the edge of that line. And uh, I've been within, you know, about 60 yards of one of them before, as I was standing pretty close to the line, just praying that he would walk another 20 yards in my direction so I could fling an arrow at him. But, uh, you know, he knew exactly where that line was, and he stayed over on <laughs> on the other side. So he's risk he's uh, uh, risking getting shot with a mortar, uh, and then getting shot with an arrow. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Like I just, yep. I don't, I don't know if how accurate this is, but I just envision guys just shooting you know this this artillery and, and these mortars, and they're just exploding and just like fifty yards away, like right inside this little this uh safe zone it, these deer are just hanging out listening to d- these explosions all day long yeah yeah and that's you know so we are required to scan the area and make sure there's no wildlife in there whenever we shoot and things of that nature and then if we do see an animal or whatever walk into the area that we're shooting at we have to we have to cease fire okay um so, I, you know, those animals, they just, they know that. And they've been in there for years, you know. Most of the animals in there are your older, much more mature deer. Um, they just know they can hang there. And if they want to make their face known, they know that the firing is going to stop. Yeah. You know. That's crazy. Man, that's crazy. All right. So, um, so now you're in North Carolina, correct? Yes. Right. So I've heard, I've heard a mixed you know, mixed uh, reviews about the state of North Carolina. Um, now, do you hunt on a military base now, or do you go out uh, into the, I guess, the the civilian world and hunt on public or private? So I've I've hunted both public here and on Fort Bragg okay. military post. Okay. So is is the military base better or the same as outside of the fence? Uh, man, that, that's, uh, most of the time I will say that the military post has better hunting than the, uh, local public. However, here at Fort Bragg, uh, I would say it, it's almost the opposite. It's almost that Fort Bragg has worse hunting than, uh, some of the public I've found here. Um, it's just because of the sheer number of people that can hunt on yeah. Fort Bragg. Gotcha. Well, I've also heard, you know, from people out that, you know, hunt the, the North and South Carolina type terrain out there and that North Carolina isn't as you're not going to come to North Carolina and shoot booners like you would in Iowa, let's just say, uh, you know, or yep. big, bigger deer, but they, they have a good quantity of deer. That's what I've heard. Uh, is that is that true? Yeah, I, I would say that the numbers of deer are pretty good. If you can find the little pocket that they're at. Um, and for me personally, it was hard trans- transitioning to North Carolina because I've never hunted. Um, I mean, I call this big woods, you know, tall pine trees, and it's nothing but pine trees, just about as far as you can see, Yeah. unless you hit a creek and have some oaks in there. Um, 
I, I've never hunted pine flats like that. So it, it was a major shift for me in, in how to hunt. And once I've found some pockets of deer, though, you know, I would say the deer numbers here are pretty good. Um, but there's a lot of desolated areas just in the middle of those ponds, too. Yeah. Okay. So Hawaii, right? I, uh, I went to... I've never been to Hawaii, but I've interviewed a guy here on the podcast who went, he took his wife to on vacation uh, to Hawaii. And I think she did a, some kind of spa day and he went into the hills with some local guy who had, you know, some pit bulls and, uh, and handed him a knife and they went and basically chased <laughs> down a wild boar and stabbed it. And that's, that's the hunting that he did when he was out there. But, you know, um, through social media and some of these, uh, videos, you see that they have some sick of deer. Uh, they also have some like wild goats and obviously hogs and, and, and whatnot. But, uh, what, when you were in Hawaii, what did you shoot? Uh, so I got a hog and I got a goat on the uh, main island there on Oahu. Um, I was never fortunate enough to be able to go over to the big island to do some of the axis deer hunts or some of the uh, sheep hunts, but uh, it's on a future access bucket deer. list. That's right. I, yep. It's on a, a future bucket list if I ever get the opportunity to go back. So Gotcha. So, you know, most people don't think, right, like, oh, let's go bow hunting in Hawaii. Right. Um, but it, you know, obviously there's animals there to hunt. So, you know, you can hunt them with whatever you, you know, a bow or a gun or whatever. But, um, what was that experience like? I mean, how different was it than let's just say bow hunting in Oklahoma? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the seasons are completely different there. Uh, it's been a number of years since I, since I've hunted Hawaii, but the, uh, you know, it's hogs. So just like most places, hogs are pretty much open season, uh, for the most part. And, um, you're doing hunting and short sleeve shirts and shorts and sometimes flip flops. I think I went in flip flops one time. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's 85 degrees outside. And so I'm trying not to sweat as I'm walking around through the woods and, uh, I believe one time I was, I was hog hunting and there was a group of, you know, 10 or 15 locals that came walking right by me and went to the spring that I was hunting over and they just started swimming around in the spring. Like, okay, well, I'm going to go and move over here now, I guess. That's crazy, man. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, were you able, from where you were at hunting, uh, were you able to like see the, uh, see the ocean and hear like the ocean while you were while you were hunting? So whenever I went goat hunting um, there on, on Oahu, I, I could. So I was up on the side of the mountain there and, you know, we would hike 10 or 15 minutes up the, up the edge of the mountain, get out of breath and just sit down and start looking out and watching the waves crash on the shore, you know, a mile and a half or so away and uh, regain some composure, get back up and keep walking trying to find the goats again. So, nice. Um, you know, that that's a, that's a very interesting, uh, dynamic to a hunt. Yeah. So did you eat what you shot out there? I did. Um, I, I've, you know, ever since I was a young guy, my dad's always, uh, pounded into me that, you know, if, if you're going to kill it, you're going to take the time to kill it. You're gonna, you need to eat it. So, uh, I've eaten every animal that I've killed. Uh, I may not have finished the whole animal. I will say that, um, 
but I've at least tried it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I, I definitely, if I, my wife, she's gun ho about going to Hawaii uh, at some point in her life. And uh, I, if I go, I'm going to schedule her like, I don't know, maybe a 24 hour massage or like some time alone. So <laughs> I can go out and maybe do like a two day bow hunt or something like that. I think, I think that would be really definitely some at least something different right and i mean how cool would it be to say dude i yeah i bow hunted in hawaii once yep yep so all right yeah, um I would, I would highly recommend that i get down to uh go down to the big island because that's that's where most of those uh that's where the good hunting is so you get some get some good sized sheep out there and and the access deer and all that stuff that's that's what i'd recommend doing gotcha all right so you also um you said like this year you are applying or you've already applied or you're getting a tag for Utah. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to go, uh, Utah elk hunt. I'm just doing it over the counter this year. Um, so we found a, uh, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a, a couple of different, uh, any bull areas out there for archery and, and that's where we're going to go. Okay. And, um, how many years have you, uh, let me before let me back up a second. When you go on these western trips, right? I mean, does the military give you vacation time or because you're active duty is this all like leave time? Like you have to schedule this hunt on a leave. Yeah, it's all scheduled on leave dates. And so I have to um, you know, make sure that my unit is not doing anything, you know, within a certain time frame, schedule my leave, get that approved. And then I can look for hunts that then match that same time frame. Um, as I've had some friends that have, you know, scheduled the, the hunt and the tickets and everything else, and then tried to get their leave, leave approved and it's gotten denied. So they've had to eat a uh, plane ticket and whatever else. Um, so it, yeah, it's, it's definitely tricky. Um, but if, if you get, you know, if you're able to, to lock down some dates, then, uh, you have to spend the time at that point to find either an outfitter or, you know, create time that works for you to match up to those dates. Yeah. So what, what happens when, I don't know, the schedule just says that, Hey man, um, you know, maybe September and October, there's going to be no leave time or, you know, your leave time falls on a different time a year other than hunting season. So the way the military works is you're given um, leave days. You're given 30, 30 days a year, uh, and you can use them whenever you see fit, provided the unit is not doing anything. Gotcha. So I just okay. save all my leave time for fall gotcha. and use it all then. Okay. Yep. So it is it is a little bit like like PTO per se. Like you, those thirty yep. days are yours to schedule however you want to schedule. Yep. Okay, cool. And now do you have to use them as like it, it, in big chunks? Do you have to use them like, okay, well, we're going to give you 30 days, but the minimum you can take off is five days. So when you take off, you have to take off five and you can't go more than, than 10. Like, or could you say, well, I'm going to take 30 straight days off and hunt, you know, the last two weeks of October and the first two weeks of November every day, every year. So you can, you can use them however you want. Uh, once you hit 30 days or more, the approval process is a little different. It has to go up higher up the chain of command. Um, you know, you've got to get other people to sign off on you taking that much time. Um, 
but you can use them however you want and you, you can accrue up to 90 days. Uh, well, it, it changes uh, right now with COVID. It's up to 120 days uh, right now with COVID, but uh, well, typically it's 60 days and 90 days after a deployment. Uh, they give you that extra 30-day buffer there because obviously you haven't been able to spend any leave on deployment. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, man, it just sounds like even though you've really dedicated all this time to the military, they de- they they give you ample opportunities to, um, uh, you know, get out and hunt. My next question is, is do you take advantage of any opportunities? Uh, and the reason I ask this is because, uh, I don't know, it's been, um, I think last month or maybe the month before I had some guy, an active duty military um a guy come on the podcast and talk about all the different opportunities as far as tags and license availability to those who are active. Like you can get lifelong uh, hunting licenses for dirt cheap, you know, like, uh, or, you know, tags that may be difficult to get. If you were just a civilian, those might be opened up to active military or even discounted tags. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, I try and take it as much advantage of that as I can. The, the trouble is finding them. Uh, so there's there's not like a, a go-to spot. And, you know, whenever you're in the military, you can't go to somewhere and say, okay, show me everything that, that you know, has a, a military tag that I can figure out. So you've really got to do your research. You've got to go to all the state different, you know, all the different state websites and figure out if they have a um, – military license of some kind you know whether that's you can apply for resident hunting licenses or uh, if they have some sort of special license um ohio for example uh you know one of the reasons why i go and hunt ohio um is because as long as i'm on leave all i have to do is pay for the deer tag and my license fee is covered so you don't have to even buy a license Correct. Okay. So basically all you have to do, if, like a DNR officer stops you, you just whip out your active military ID. Uh, so you have to be on leave. Yep. So I have to show them my, that leave form. Oh, okay. Show them my military ID and show them a, uh, show them my, my deer tag so that I have the actual tag as well. Gotcha. Man, that's pretty, that's awesome. Right. So what's a, yeah. what's a deer tag cost for active military? Uh, I don't really remember off the top of my head. It's somewhere between thirty and fifty bucks. I think it, yeah. it wasn't very much as as a, as uh, active duty. Now that's probably uh, the resident fee. If I had to, if I had to <laughs> guess, I'm I'm guessing you're paying what a resident uh, what the the residents pay. But if it was a non-resident, you're they probably pay a little bit more. Yeah, that's that's correct. So yeah, I man, believe it was the resident fee cost. Yeah, definitely. Any active military guys who are listening to this that's definitely something you should uh take advantage of if you're you know a serious hunter so what are you looking forward to in uh 2021 man so 2021 i mean obviously i've got my elk hunt coming up that i'm really looking forward to um but this will be my second season here at fort bragg uh so i'm really looking forward to some just absolute monsters that i ended up seeing and, you know, monsters for the North Carolina area that, um, you know, to me are just great deer, you know, in the 140-ish class range. Yeah. Uh, really looking to being able to close in on them a little bit more. I was able to, between 
between the tail end of deer season and some of the scouting I've done uh, so far, you know, I've been able to close in on about three of them that uh, I'm really looking forward to meeting them again at some point in September with my bow. So awesome, man. Uh, any other States this year, other than uh, that elk hunt out West? Oh, are you going back to Ohio as well? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be going back to Ohio. Um, I might be going back up to Alaska to do a few days for a, a moose hunt. Uh, I've, I've maintained my residency up there. So I've been going back there every two years and, uh, we'll either do some salmon fishing or, or moose hunt, uh, every other year. So, so I'm not sure if we're going to be doing the salmon fishing or the moose hunt this year, but we'll figure it out. So currently you're, you're, you claim Alaska as your home state. Correct. Man, that's another benefit for, of the military, man. That's crazy. Yep. Um, and, uh, yep. dude, I, I get to put in for, uh, the resident draws every year. That, man, that's crazy. I got a buddy. Um, well, a guy, I should say a buddy, a guy I know who I think he said that uh, Alaska residents have access to somewhere like 54 different tags, uh, throughout the entire year, like caribou, sheep, brown bear, uh, mountain goats, moose, uh, Sitka deer, like just uh, so many different opportunities up there, uh, and uh, sounds like you're trying to take advantage of some of those as well. Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely, trying to take as much advantage of that as I can. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, man, um, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and just BS with us for a little bit. Uh, first off thank you very much for your service really appreciate that and uh second good luck in this upcoming season man well thank you sir thank you very much for the support uh you know i do have to throw out a little plug real quick for just all the military members we really appreciate um whenever people go out of their way just to say thank you to us it, it means a lot to us so i want to say thank you for doing that and uh thank you to everybody else that thanks for service member Huge shout out to Frank, man, not only for being active military, but being, um, you know, part of this community as well, uh, taking time out of his day to hop on and uh, chat with us. Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast. We have the Ozonix, Wasp, Lone Wolf, and Vortex Optics. Please go out, support the companies that support this podcast, and um yeah be sure to follow along on instagram facebook please subscribe to the nine finger chronicles uh podcast uh, on itunes or wherever you download your podcast other than that we're going to keep the outro short be good to others be good to your neighbors send good vibes in get good vibe or send good vibes out get i got i can't even talk just be happy be be nice be kind we'll talk to you next time Thank you.